Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of Professional Pricing Society's Pricing Podcast. My name is Megan Ford with PPS, and we're excited that you chose to listen to us today. We're going to be speaking with Mr. Robert Ribchuk, the founder and managing partner of EBITDA Catalyst. And we're talking with Robert today about consumer brands and his upcoming session during the PPS Spring Pricing Workshops and Conference event this April in Chicago, Illinois. We are so excited to feature a robust lineup of world-class speakers and thought leaders and to welcome all of our pricing community from around the world back in person to join us for four days of amazing pricing content, networking, education, workshops, and so much more. You can learn more about this upcoming conference if you visit our website at pricingsociety.com. Again, that's pricingsociety.com. You can also search the hashtag PPSCHI22 across social media platforms to learn more about this exciting and upcoming event in the pricing community. So without further ado, Let's jump right into today's interview with Mr. Robert Ribchuk. Robert is the founder and managing partner of EBITDA Catalyst, where he focuses on pricing strategy for growth consumer brands and software companies. A year ago, long before the inflation talk has been, excuse me, long before the inflation talk heated up to the levels that we've seen today, he wrote an influential white paper entitled Inflation and Price Increases, The New Death and Taxes. And within this white paper, it was detailed how many firms use inflation to their advantage to increase profitability. Well, today we're going to ask him a few questions about his upcoming talk at this spring conference, where he's going to be presenting the opposing side of this argument. Robert will be talking about the need to balance the profit motive against the relationship motive, both of which your customers excuse me, both which your customers and with your brand, both are needed. And his talk will be entitled Consumer Brands, Differentiated Pricing in Inflationary Environments. You can learn more about Robert's upcoming talk again on our website. Without further ado, I want to welcome Robert to our podcast. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Megan. I appreciate the gracious uh, introduction and uh, the invitation and uh, excited uh, as much as you are about the upcoming event in April. I uh, hope to uh, see you there and uh, see a lot of our uh, pricing uh, community friends there. I think it's going to be a great time. We are so excited and it's going to be um, one that we've been waiting for as the pricing community is anxious to see one another in person. So let's talk about your session and why uh, more about your decision to choose consumer brands as a focal point for your PPS breakout. No, yeah, thank you. Uh, I mean, I think uh, I'm fortunate at some level that uh, my practice is uh, focused in a large part uh, on consumer brands. And I think uh, uh, it was an easy decision to uh, focus there for uh, my topic because uh, I feel uh, not only is 70% of the U.S. economy consumer spending, so starting there uh, is relevant to everyone, but I think uh, the consumer is where the crux of a lot of the conversations we're hearing about inflation, about ability to pay, willingness to pay, uh, they will all fight it out basically uh, with the uh, consumer and uh, you know, consumer brands are at the forefront of trying to balance those uh, considerations. Great points, great points. 
So what exactly is the major idea that your session will discuss? So I think, uh, and thank you for uh, mentioning uh, the white paper where I kind of first discussed about the year ago, uh, sort of the, the, the giant uh, opportunity that some brands uh, see in inflationary environments. I think the big idea is that uh, we are in a bit of a crazy bull market for price increases, for using inflation to support the profit motive. Um, everybody's trying to do it. Everybody's hearing about everybody else doing it. And we're getting in a, a little bit of this um, herd mentality around it. And I think for successful brands, maintaining balance between the profit motive and the relationship motive, that relationship with the customers and their brands, that balance is a lot more important than any, than any short-term profit pickup. And I, you know, I feel like I read or hear about firms doing price increases. And in some cases, you know, it nearly sounds like 2008 when hourly workers in Florida were flipping five or 10 condos at the time, and everyone was in a can't lose gold rush fever. And we in the pricer community, I hope can be the adults in the room, um, you know, just balancing and giving our clients uh, sound advice uh, to balance these motives. Um, and hopefully not be kind of like the mortgage bankers making money to facilitate clients gambling with both profits and relationships. Um, having said that, I also think it's important to recognize that uh, different companies are in different places as to their ability to do this right, uh, their ability to have the right um, long-term perspective and to withstand the pressure on their costs uh, from this inflationary environment. And so the really the big idea will be how do we balance these considerations and not get blinded by just the profit opportunity? Okay. Well, would you agree with this statement that firms are in business to make a profit and for the inflation impact on costs? I would certainly agree that every business, just like every person, is entitled to have a goal, an aspiration to succeed and make profits. But I don't think having the opportunity or aspiration means that every business is entitled to a certainty of profit, a guaranteed success somehow underwritten by their, uh, by their customers or by the, their consumers. Um, you know, most specifically, just like individuals, you know, firms should be accountable for failure, should be accountable if they've taken unwise risks that don't play out, and sometimes even for playing bad luck. And, you know, I think your statement uh, that you're asking whether I agree with or not, um, if every firm was entitled to always make a profit, we would effectively say everybody's too big to fail and the consumer somehow has the responsibility of always covering up all these situations. And so I would put it differently. I would say that every firm is entitled to capture a fair share of the value they create. And higher costs tell us nothing about whether the firm is creating value, leave alone higher value than a few months ago. So if they are, they should consider price increases because the value is there, not because costs went up. And as a final nuance, sometimes the value created does increase when costs go up. It may not be causation, but correlation. For example, breaks in the supply chain both increase your costs and potentially decrease the pool of competitors who can deliver product or services into the marketplace. 
thereby making your supply more valuable because demand is now out of balance with the supply. So it's a nuanced picture, not the one size fits all heuristic. Thank you. So how do you see inflation ultimately playing out for many consumer brands and their pricing strategies? I think in my view, it will play out as many other disruptive environments do. Um, on the aggregate preparation and merit, in other words, high quality offerings will win out over time, uh, emerging with kind of higher share and higher uh, profitability. So that's you, we usually say the strong will get stronger in some ways. Uh, but I also think there's significant opportunity for disruptors to also make a mark, uh, to take some risks and come out uh, with years worth of gains from leading in this environment. Uh, and I finally, I do think and hope that pricing as a function and topic will make significant gains in C-suite discussions and attention and investment. Thank you, Robert, for answering that one. Okay, so the topic of your upcoming talk, we're so excited to have you, is differentiated pricing for consumer brands in this environment. Are there any really quick, clear do's and don'ts uh, that consumer brands should maybe tackle their opportunities? Yeah, I mean, um, I say the clear do for everyone is to invest the time, analysis, and if at all possible, resources in playing your hand well in this environment. The stakes are very high and the disruption will be very real. Um, you know, I think on the do nots, I have several, certainly do not kind of gamble in a herd back to our early point in the conversation and forget how much you can afford to lose in terms of your um, relationships with your customers and the growth of your brand. Um, I would say do not forget that there are real consumers at the other end of your decisions. And that especially applies if some of them are vulnerable um, or kind of down for the count in this environment. Um, and uh, potentially your decisions could hit them when they're down. Uh, do not confuse high levels of noise with insight, right? So the fact that there's a lot of noise, uh, everybody's talking about price increases doesn't necessarily translate into insight that that's the right decision for you too. And I also would say, do not forget that nearly everyone telling you to do a price increase may or may not have motives. And some of, some or none of those motives may align with your values uh, and the reality of your situation. So uh, I guess you see how this is balancing my early uh, white paper consideration. And uh, I have a few more do nots um, <laughs> than in the past. It makes sense. Thank you. So what should a consumer brand not do to a price increase right now? Why should they not do a price increase right now? Um, or why, excuse me. Yeah, I guess... Um, the simple answer is if you are in a weak competitive position and the value of your offering was maybe struggling or commoditized, um, even at your existing prices, what has changed to make the consumer still want to pick you once you raise your prices, right? So if, if that question doesn't have a very strong answer, 
you probably shouldn't do a price increase just because everyone else is doing it. And then I would also say, if you have well-capitalized patient and market share focused competitors with better pricing capabilities than yours, that should be a big warning sign because those guys, those competitors will be out there looking for opportunity to pick up market share at your expense and play your price increases if they've been imprudent or insufficiently thought through uh, against you with your, with your customers. Okay. Well, how does the strength of a brand's pricing capabilities make all the difference in this type of environment? I mean, I think we live in a disrupted environment where everything has accelerated, um, you know, the, the speed of change, uh, particularly in pricing levels, inflation, and then, of course, um, the availability of offerings uh, due to supply chain disruptions. All of that's been disrupted. The velocity is much higher. So I think pricing capabilities matter and make a huge difference in a, a couple of different ways. Uh, one is the ability to execute multiple iterations of price actions in a compressed timeline. You know, the firms that have that, this gives them the option to, uh, the option value to de-risk and not execute under an all or nothing pressure, right? So, you know, there are some firms that can only go once and because of that, they put all their eggs in that one basket of that one action, right? As opposed to having the ability to go more incrementally um, several times in a limited timeline and learn at each step from the previous action and the reaction in the marketplace. And the second way that I would mention would be, you know, the ability to fine tune where and how much to act, choosing kind of where to place chips on the table and how aggressively uh, usually requires investment in, you know, quote, I guess, knowing the table uh, to use a poker analogy, right? So, uh, usually those who have uh, invested over time in competitive monitoring, analysis, uh, market segmentation, uh, those will absolutely be in a better position to uh, make the right price increases as opposed to, you know, perhaps across the board or just knee jerk, I'll just do what my competitor did, um, price increases. That's, that was funny. I was laughing. Nothing like levity to help with pricing decisions, Megan. Thank you. Right. <laughs> well, your practice brings a fair amount of analytics to advise um, on the strategy. How has the importance of analytics changed, if at all, you know, in this environment? You know, I, I'd say analytics have or should always have been important in pricing. Um, However, you know, some clients really do crave the data element to validate their industry knowledge, their intuition and insights. Uh, you know, this is true even in normal times, uh, normal in quote here. Uh, but when there is disruption, high velocity threats like costs and supply chain availability, the premium on having data that is timely and reflects the impacts in close to real time goes way up. And so we just talked earlier about, you know, the strength of capabilities, um, the ability to do multiple actions in a compressed timeline, right? Um, clearly, the, the whole premise there is that you're able to, by the time you take action number two, you're able to learn something from action number one. 
right? And how much you can learn and how fast really depends more than ever on having uh, good analytics to educate your pricing decisions. It makes all the sense. <laughs> can you give some examples of how analytics tools can help brands or excuse me, can you give examples of analytics tools that help brands make better decisions right now, like some actionable favorites? And how do you integrate them into your practice? Yeah, um, I think there's uh, thankfully a wealth of different uh, tools out there, some off the shelf, um, some things that we build for clients based on um, their specific situation and sometimes, frankly, their budget. Um, I'm a big fan of, um, number one, margin bridge analysis, right? So profit bridge uh, to allow insight into kind of the dynamic changes in your profit drivers. So understanding the price effects, the quantity effects, and the cost effects from one period to the next uh, will often be kind of like the practical, real-time approach um, in markets where true price sensitivity is just kind of a pie-in-the-sky academic aspiration. So I think, you know, a, a lot of people and then, you know, clients and executives talk about price sensitivity, but what they really want to know is tell me how my demand and how the market is responding to my price actions, right? And I find that the tool of a, a profit bridge or a margin bridge analysis um, really allows you to slice and dice where in your portfolio is your price action working, uh, how much is it adding to your bottom line, and most importantly, how is that changing over time? And uh, that's really uh a lot better than trying to shoot for the academic definition of price sensitivity, which in many markets is not easily put in practice. Uh, I also love tools uh, kind of as a second category that give insight, not just about price points, but actual sales and sell through dynamics, right? So, you know, we oftentimes say competitor X is selling this at price A. Well, just the fact that price A exists doesn't tell us anything about how it's actually performing. Like, are they actually selling a lot of stuff at that price? So the, the critical how well is the price point performing in consumer brands, I like tools like Omnilytics for the fashion and apparel industry. I like Spins, Numerator. They each can be exceptionally valuable to bring different angles to that question, not just what is the price, uh, but how much are consumers buying? Well, you speak of the mission driving pricing, right? Mission driving, mission driven pricing. What does this mean in the market? And what does this mean in this market in particular? Can we get some examples? Yeah, so this is very important to me. I think um, as, as, as pricers, like I said, I think earlier in our conversation, we have a responsibility to think not just about helping our clients uh, find better profitability. Uh, but pricing does have social implications, uh, has implications for real human beings and uh, real customers, consumers out there. Uh, and to me, mission-driven pricing means, you know, you often have in your mission something about taking care of your customer, right? And when your customer is real consumers, real human beings, uh, you know, not forgetting that when you make your pricing decisions is very important. So that's even more important when your consumers include, and you know that, 
they include vulnerable segments uh, for whatever reason of the population, right? And so one example, you know, from my own work is, um, you know, let's say you're selling um, pet foods that's organic, it's high end, it's for people who can afford to feed their pets something other than kibble. Um, and generally your customer for that is a pretty high end consumer who loves their pet and wants to treat their pet like a human being. Um, and it's terrific to start with. But then let's also say that part of your business sells food that also is prescription food for certain conditions for those um, for those pets, right? So it's kind of the, the veterinary prescription gets mixed with the organic food. And now your product is really treating uh, animals who are sick and customers who may not be buying this because they have plenty of extra cash in their pocket, but because they're really sacrificing to give their pet that like best possible treatment uh, at the time where they're afraid they're losing their pet, um, their pet is not themselves and so on. And so when, when we looked at price actions in an environment like that, I love working with a client who knows they could get more money because it's a difficult situation and the consumer might bend over and pay, but raises their hand and says, wait, 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 like there's a humane angle to this. There is a mission driven way to handle this. And that is to recognize this is a vulnerable situation where we got to bring that into our approach uh, and not just think about the most profitable and the most short-term focused way to handle it. So I hope that helps. That absolutely helps. And it's very, um, very timely considering, <laughs> you know, all of that's going on to be uh, more mindful. Mindfulness is key. So is having a mission. So I, I, I definitely think that made all the sense. So any message that you'd like to share uh, as we close out to our fellow pricers in the global pricing community, because we are getting together in person in Chicago next month and we are so excited. What would you like to share with your audience? Uh, just really excited to your point about being back in person and uh, the opportunity to uh, you know meet everyone uh, over the past two, three years, I've made many relationships like we all have over Zoom or over email and um, really excited, uh, you know, anyone I know and many people I don't know yet uh, to just get to know everyone. Then I also think it's a really exciting time for pricing. We have uh, both an opportunity to serve our client community, but also an opportunity to rise in our profile of sort of usefulness and conversations in the C-suite. Uh, and I'm just looking forward to all of us as fellow pricers getting together and uh, making each other proud. Thank you, Robert. I think it's going to be a great time. And I want to thank you on behalf of PPS for your time today. And not um, only today on this podcast, but again, for the upcoming conference. Your presentation and the breakout session is going to be outstanding and we can't wait. We're excited to host you. Um, for all of our listeners, I want to remind everyone to check out more information about the Professional Pricing Society and the upcoming conference at pricingsociety.com. And you can also follow the hashtag PPSCHI22 across social media platforms to find out about this exciting lineup, learn about the registration, and if you want to follow us live during the event, it's the place to be. Follow the hashtag. Any closing words, Robert? We know that you are uh, famous for pricing quotes. Would you like to leave us with a pricing quote? 
Well, first of all, the people who originally said those things are famous. I'm just the messenger. But uh, <laughs> first of all, thank you, Megan, for, Megan, for being a gracious host today. Um, thank you. I'm very much excited for the conference. And, uh, you know, uh, as I think about quotes that would kind of capture some of the spirit of what we talked about earlier and the spirit of my session, the one that comes to mind is uh, from Catherine Payne. And she said, the moment you make a mistake in pricing, you're eating into your reputation or your profits. And I like the fact that she starts with your reputation and ends with your profits. And I think that goes uh, very well with uh, the, the balancing act that I'm trying to um, talk about in my session. I know that's right. That sounds like a word there. That is an <laughs> excellent balancing act to achieve. And we look forward to talking with you all, with you more in depth about it. Thank you again, Robert. This has been an excellent episode. And until next time, Pricers, have a great day. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Megan. Have a good day as well. Bye-bye.